Listen now to hear our epistle reading from the 12th chapter of Romans. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. No, no. if, if your, your enemies, enemies are, are hungry, hungry, feed them. them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. I don't sleep very well on Saturday nights, and I blame Matthew for that, at least in part. My recurring nightmares are almost always about being late for something, a flight or Sunday morning worship or an exam. Occasionally, it's that I failed to attend that one last class that I needed to finish my degree, and graduation is tomorrow. Everything that I worked for will be gone in an instant because I overslept or forgot or wore the wrong clothes, or sometimes no clothes at all, <laughs> right? In that nighttime script, like the bridesmaids, that door will be closed to me forever. And so I hold Matthew responsible for including this parable in chapter 25, which intensifies all my fears. Because really, is this what the Christian life is supposed to be about? It doesn't sound much like Jesus. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Although to get there you will need large oil reserves, so forget the first part of what I said. Store up for yourselves oil on earth so that you will have treasure in heaven. Or, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Worry about your oil. That's the main thing. Worry about whether you have enough for you and forget about everyone else. They're not your problem. Or Matthew 7, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. Unless, of course, you're late and the bridegroom answers, in which case you're out of luck. Or this one, in everything, do unto others as you would have them do to you. In everything, that is, except oil, which changes all the rules. Now, pardon me. 
but that doesn't seem like what I know about the kingdom of heaven. What it does sound like is just one more iteration of our competitive culture. Those who store up for themselves and refuse to share always seem to come out on top. Keep it all for yourself, even if it means another woman will have to go out in the dangerous dark of midnight with no light. You can even gossip and snicker about her situation when she leaves and turn the music up so you won't hear her banging on the door to come in. What is so fun about stockpiling oil just so you can turn everyone else away? Now, if I'm honest, this parable hits a little too close to home. The truth is, I like to be prepared. I think it's a good idea to show up with a sermon on Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm a big fan of savings accounts and long-term care insurance and taking care of physical and mental health. I believe in being prepared, and I bet you do too. We are part of a society that practically worships planning and forethought and preparing for whatever unknown lies ahead. But let's not mistake that for the gospel. Gospel, in my mind, sounds much more like these verses you just heard from Romans 12. A few chapters earlier, Paul had lined out the reality, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so now, by the time he gets to the end of chapter 12, he is saying, since you have been saved, here's what that looks like in action. Let love be genuine. Outdo one another in showing honor. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Live in harmony. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. Rachel mentioned last week that we've gone back to this idea that we floated, <clears throat> excuse me, that we floated in August. The church has historically said that believing is the first step. And then you belong, you join the community of faith, and then you behave, you live your life according to the Bible. But I suggested back in August that maybe that order isn't working for us anymore. Maybe first you invite people to belong to come and find a safe place where they can study and explore and find out what really makes them tick. And then because they belong, they start to learn the ways of life of that community. They behave until finally they live their way into believing. That feels much more true to my experience, at least. This morning, we're focused on behaving, which I will admit sounds terrible. It conjures up images of angry disciplinarians shaking their fingers and de demanding through gritted teeth that we behave. But it actually comes from an old English word that means to surround, to embrace, to contain, to hold. In other words, as we are surrounded by a community of faith, we begin to embrace all the ways that community lives together. In a few minutes, Meredith Goins is going to say a few words about why that has mattered for her in her own life and in the lives of her children. 
But let me go back to this problematic parable again. You've heard me say before that the, sometimes the Bible is a lens through which we see the kind of life God wants us to live in the world. And sometimes it's a mirror in which we see our own shortcomings and failures. And I wonder if this parable from Matthew isn't one of those mirrors. I wonder if Jesus wants us to look at all the holes in it and say, what? This doesn't sound right. It's not right. But maybe it feels familiar. Maybe hoarding oil says more about us than we care to admit. I think there really is some fuel that we have been given that it's our job to protect, not only for ourselves, but also for those who come after us so that they can also have what it takes to live lit up lives. We could stay here the rest of the day arguing about what that fuel is, but it works for me to just call it resources. We have resources in this congregation that have been entrusted to us, not the least of which is this amazing building that we're sitting in that was constructed 70 years ago. We have ministries that take place on this campus, some of them for more than half a century. We have children who love their church home and giggle with delight every time they come through the doors. Around our community are families of adults with physical or cognitive challenges who desperately need a few hours of respite from caregiving, every bit as much as their loved ones need a place for social interaction and stimulation. All of that and more asks us to consider another set of resources, our own. Our personal resources provide the fuel that makes all of that happen. Yes, some of it is our time and volunteer hours, and I never want to disparage that. But it also takes dollars and cents to pay the utility bill and the copier contract and the salaries of the staff who coordinate those programs. It takes financial gifts for us to support the work of partners in mission and to keep the building clean and in good repair and to provide meaningful worship experiences. It takes real dollars to pay the real U.S. foods bill to feed hungry people at the welcome table. And it takes real commitment to step up and say, I want to share what I have so that there is enough for everyone. And so if you ask me, wouldn't you want to be one of those wise bridesmaids that brought extra oil? No, I would answer. No, not under those circumstances. Sorry, Matthew. Sorry, Jesus. What I want is a rewrite of this story in which the five bridesmaids who brought spare fuel say, hey, here, we have extra. If we pool our resources, there will be enough for everyone. Or even, I'm sorry your lamp went out, but here, we can both use mine and we'll see just as well. What I want is to hear the story without all the judgmental adjectives, so that it sounds something like this. 10 young women took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom as they walked together, they asked each other, 
Did you bring extra oil? You know, it could be a long night. Can the church be a community where we help one another through the long days and nights of waiting? Can we ask one another, what do you need to keep going? Because that's the question, isn't it? What do we need to keep going? Amen.